Do you have a housewarming party? <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Okay. Because we're like we literally got moved in about a, maybe less than a week before the stay-at-home order was issued. Oh, so you're getting real cozy with the house. Gonna feel like home after this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been, I've been going to work. Me too. Three Me times too. a week. Oh, yeah, I'm going to work every day. At least after I was allowed to go back to work. I'm going uh, Wednesday through Friday, and um, I'm working from home on Monday and Tuesday, but not for my normal place. Like, um, since I'm technically, you know, a uh, a contractor mm-hmm. working for NTT at Johnson. I'm working another a different NTT contract <clears throat> on uh, Monday and Tuesday, just oh, okay. from home. <clears throat> that way, I still so. get paid. <clears throat> That's all that really matters, man. Yeah, because Johnson is the one who decided that you know we weren't going to have um, oh. we weren't going to have people on uh, two days a week. Right. Right. Okay. Well, it's cool that you can work from home. That's nice. I think a lot of places are going to realize there's nothing wrong with working from home. Probably better anyways. I'm really hoping my, my work sticks with that. I know our boss, our CEO, really wants to uh, make it like a standard, not a standard thing, but make it a thing for at least the next long while. Um, so I'm hoping that that ends up being like a, a thing that we can do, at least the supervisors. There's no reason for the supervisors to have to go to the office. Because the specialists already don't. So I'm like, oh. Specialists can just work from home all the time if they want to. But the supervisors are expected to go in to be available for the specialists. But I'm like, I'm available now via Skype literally all the time. Like they can message me anytime they want. Always available. Amazing world we live in. I know. Is this forcing all the old people to realize how to use social like uh, stuff like this, Discord? or? I don't think so because they're still insisting that we open everything back up so that they can go get haircuts. I'd like to get a haircut. I'm not gonna lie. So, but I mean, shave your head. Think your wife could do one? Think your wife? Would you let your wife give you a haircut? I've let Mary cut my hair many times. That makes sense now. Chrissy, (laughs) will not. She's like no. (laughs) Yeah, Mary's cut my hair. She won't do it, and it's okay. A few times. My mom's gotten pretty good at doing this stuff since Andrew and Wendy have gone away. So. Since uh, they've already figured that out, it was easy for them to use. What, I think we all got them uh, some type of tablet or iPad or something that they can use. So, so they don't space invade and just show up like um, Marie on Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> I mean, that's what me and Mary are moving into, according to Cody. Yep. That's what's going to happen with you guys, I guess. I know, right? I think it's going to happen. Who cares, man? I'm really excited. I will say... That, nice like, you know, it's it's going to be um, good that you can just, you know, the kids can just go over there. Just go to Grandma and Grandpa. I'm tired of you. I'm very excited about that. I'm also, that's, that's not going to happen. You, I would love something like that. But. You know that you're going to end up mowing both lawns, right? <laughs> I'm absolutely not going to mow both lawns. You say that. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I don't own that property. I'm not owning his, his lawn for it. I'm not mowing his lawn for him unless I'm going to get to, uh, you know, own it. Mm. Did you guys check out the articles I sent you? Nope. Yeah, I, ch- I, I checked out the, uh, the moon thingy. Uh-huh. A giant, uh, te- is it considered a telescope? Yeah, it's a it's like a radio telescope. But... The, I, I know that you know size is extremely important, and we have one telescope in the entire Earth that's like this huge dimple in the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of them are, are quite small, so it'd be interesting if we could get something that size hey. on the dark side of the moon, uh-huh. and hopefully it would be quiet. It would be blocked from the sun's rays. I mean, I think we could see. There it, would be, it'd be a game changer for pictures of everything. There would also be no radio interference from the earth or at least it would be reduced to yeah. almost nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Radio telescopes are cool anyway. 
So I think it's very cool. Let's um, let me read. Well, first of all, welcome back, Miss Radio, everybody. Uh, I'm your host, Josh. Hey guys, how's it going? With today on Discord, we got just someone fill the silence. Go ahead. Chase, Seth, Seth. <clears throat> and Seth, both Seths. Both Seths. Uh, today our topics. The old gang again. Yep. Minus Nate, he couldn't be here today. Uh, oh yeah. We're gonna I be talking about. Wow. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about radio telescopes, quantum computing, and uh, some Einstein stuff. Let's get going. So yeah. Anyway, the uh, radio telescope. It's pretty cool. Let me get the article going. Are you reading it? No, I'm just gonna. I can get. I can actually give the facts from the article instead of just like trying to guess the size from memory. Okay. Three to five kilometer diameter lunar crater on the far side of the moon. Mm-hmm. So that is smoking huge. We have nothing comparable to that. It's insane. Even on the Earth. Listeners, I will put the uh, the link to the NASA article on um, in the show notes. The the reason I think this is so cool is because it's it's an actual NASA document. Like the article itself, the idea is pitched by NASA. It's not just some random person saying like, you know what will be cool? Like this is a real thing they want to try and do. And so the receiver would be suspended about, it doesn't say how high. Let's see. Oh, one kilometer up. Wow. Kilometer. Yeah. Yeah. So Earth noise would be deflected by the front side of the moon as well as noise from the sun, like Seth said a minute ago. And so we could literally just where I mean, I guess my question is, how can you aim it? Because you can't like with the ones that we have, like on Earth, the, the at least smaller telescopes, you can like, you know, rotate them and, and turn them. Sure. With this, you couldn't. So is it just you just pick up whatever the moon is pointing at? I guess so. I mean, that's still an insane thing. Like, <clears throat> still, it's still incredibly it's, useful. Yeah. Well, certainly. I mean, the, but the moon is going to rotate around the Earth, which thus rotates around the sun. So we could really get anything. I mean, they could take a picture every 24 hours, I guess, on uh-huh. the rotation of the moon. To and, and they do that a lot with the telescopes already because, I mean, they're flying around the Earth. Uh-huh. So they they have to time all those pictures anyway. So I don't think it'd be much different. That's true. It would That's... just be much better clarity mm-hmm. uh, well, that we were talking about earlier. Less noise nope. to filter out. When yeah. you say clarity in pictures, what are you talking about? Because it's a radio telescope, and they do like well, this cl- signal signal clarity. Oh, okay. And a lot of the stuff. I mean, what? Yeah. So it's a radio telescope. So if, if that's what it is, they'd be picking up all the the background radio waves or whatever it is i mean it's all light waves or you know essentially not visible light waves but it's still you know you can get a picture most of the pictures that we get from nasa aren't visual light they just give them color so we can see what they look like um almost like an artist's rendition of what it would look like in x-rays or whatever it is sure so it wouldn't be any different you're still going to get pictures from it and they'll, they'll give them colors for us to see can you paint with all the colors of the moon yes oh. uh, all right well that was cool well didn't like <laughs> we blew through that one didn't inspire we? anybody i think it's the largest it feels ahead. very like sci-fi, very futuristic, right? To like use the moon's natural craters or whatever to build a giant satellite. Like that's amazing. We're yeah, getting, so the, we're getting there. It says uh, they're trying to observe the early universe in the ten to fifty meter wavelength band. So yeah, that's definitely radio waves. Very, very uh, long radio waves and CETA. Uh, six to 30 megahertz frequency bands which has not been explored by humans till date so this is if we did this this would all be brand new we 
this could be revolutionary, honestly. We could have a whole different understanding of the universe doing this. If we're thinking about the early universe and never explored before, I mean, the whole new theories probably will come out from this. In fact, I know they will come out if we get if we get to do it. Yeah, I would agree. So Every I really time. hope we do. That'd be the coolest thing that I, we've done in my lifetime, I would say. I mean, the yeah. thing cooler would be going to the moon, really. Well, I mean, I think you have to, right, to do this. I mean, they could they could do you're it. About humans. You are you like, saying, they, so you're saying they would so, That's what I'm asking. Are you saying they would set it up with like uh, rovers and stuff? It, could, that's what ride. I took from it. I could be wrong, but I took that they were it was going to be automated. Interesting. That's a pretty cool concept itself. Yeah, it, yeah. The the whole engineering feat of it all just be insane. The fact that. that they're building the largest telescope ever without human hands. Uh, but the great part is that the dish is already there. They're just putting up the wires, uh-huh. and then the, the ships that they're shooting out there are going to the be the receiver. So, yeah. yeah. Just, and uh, I, I, I'm curious how it works. Is it because the depth of the powder on the moon is so thin? Because all that would absorb all the noise. Um, but I wonder if because it's so shallow that most of it's going to be rocky and it would ref- reflect that noise. Yeah, I was wondering that myself. Like, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Or is it just the fact that, like, d- regardless of the size or, like, what the, the base of the um, crater is, just the fact that it's a giant dish, like, it doesn't matter what it's composed of. It's still going to reflect something, you know? They had to pick a specific crater that was of the right parabola because I, I, that's very important, too. Hmm. Or close to it. So they probably could have been searching for one for a long time, taking a lot of measurements and being very picky. There's a lot of craters on there. I was going to say, I actually just looked through. This article led me to another article about moon craters, and they've mapped every single crater that we've ever seen on the moon, which is, I think, all of them. And it had thousands of... on the dark side? Uh, I mean, this one's on the dark side. Oh, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, Yeah. so definitely. So it's it's like the art, the Wikipedia article is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of of meteors and what's cool or not meteors um, craters and what's cool is each one is highlighted with a little red circle on the moon. <laughs> it's cool. Let me see if I can find it. I'll send it to you guys. I just navigated away from it. I'd really like to get a, a moon lens for a telescope. Yeah, me too. Because the star ones don't work. Uh, I mean, I've used. Uh, on my telescope, the one that we had at the lake house back in the day, and like I just now have in my attic, I've used it on the moon yeah. a few times. It works pretty well. Okay, but but well, I will say I don't have a nice one like that. <laughs> I will say you have to. Um, you're only getting like a super zoomed in view. Like there's no if you want to have like like um, I don't know like those cool composite pictures you see of the moon where it's like you see the whole moon and it's really high def. Yeah. It won't do that because you're going to be so zoomed in. Oh, right, right. Like, so I don't know why. Like the, the moon, there's two things that just always stick out to me. It's the moon. The werewolves. And Saturn. Those are like, I, I don't know why. Like I just think they're so beautiful. Of course, Saturn, Saturn, you have to see Saturn the telescope. And the moon, you don't. Those, those are my favorite things. That's pretty cool. But I will say, ever since that time in 2010 where we had the lunar eclipse and we were at your house or your parents house josh uh-huh. and we saw that uh-huh. uh the moon was so bright and yeah. so big and there was it was you know december 21st the uh-huh. air was so crisp and clear you could see the stars like nothing else and, and then it was the moon was right in the middle of orion and taurus the bull and so now those stick out to me uh, a lot as well because it just uh I don't know. It's a very memorable moment. Because, oh, oh, I forgot. When we did that, I had gotten a Jones soda. Was it a Jones or was before. it a Snapple? No, it was, no, a, Jones. It was a Jones soda. Jones soda. And because I remember it was uh, yeah. uh, bubblegum flavored. Because I was like, ah, I'll try it. I haven't had that one. So, But I was like, I was going to drink it that night. But I decided I didn't. And But when I came back the next day and we had been waiting, it's like, when is this lunar eclipse going to happen? And it didn't happen. So we kept going out and back in. And finally, I opened my Jones soda cap and it said, look up now. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's weird. 
So I went outside and then the lunar eclipse had just started. And I still have that cap today because that was a very dope, very dope <laughs> evening. I just remember that it was so bright you could like read. Yeah. Outside. Oh, yeah. You could see everybody so clearly. Mm-hmm. Super bright. Wonderful, wonderful night to look at that. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till 2024. Get the other full solar eclipse coming around. It's gonna it's gonna hit southeast Oklahoma, so we have yeah we're gonna go we're gonna go to oh you guys gonna go out there too? We're gonna go to my um, my uncle's place out in um, Stigler and and check it out. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Because well it's gonna that's have a full view of where it. We're at. Like I'm taking off for that. That's 2024, right? Yep. It's August. No, 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 it's April. This one's going to be April something. I'll have to look it up again. The last one was in August. I have it marked somewhere. It's a yeah. little ways away. You got to plan and, ahead, uh, you gotta plan hey, ahead if you want to see cool things. What did you say, Chase? What would you say? I said you have to plan ahead if you want to see cool things. Oh, definitely. Something I wasn't like that. saying that it was a bad idea. I was just That's what like, I heard. Wow, that's, that's a ways away. All I heard was you saying it was a bad idea. It's funny talking to my brother about it. He was so nonchalant. He was like, yeah, this stuff happens all the time, everywhere, for thousands and thousands of years. What, what's the big deal? And I'm like, are you serious? You don't think a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse is cool? And he's just like, eh, whatever. I don't know what the big deal is. It's like, I don't understand that. I yeah, think it's really- definitely some cool. I remember whenever we had um, the last eclipse, the one that was what was that a year ago, two years ago, twenty seventeen. During the what's it called when it like the it reaches the peak? I can't remember what that's called. Um, I full- say apex, but I feel like that's wrong. is that apex? Well, oh yeah, the apex. Okay, yeah, that's, that'll work. <laughs> okay, cool. So during the apex, um, I, I had been outside and I'd been like waiting for it because I was at work. And my boss called an emergency meeting and I was like, can we wait like 20 minutes? And she was like, no, right now. And so everybody had to go inside to our room with no windows. And like we, I missed like the last probably 30 minutes. Of it. By the time that we were, it was, we were out of the meeting. It was just a little, um, like it had completely passed and was basically off of the sun. That's stupid. I was so mad. And she was like, it's just an eclipse. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was so angry. It's just a meeting. It was a pointless meeting. I remember that. I remember being very angry and like so angry I wasn't listening. So. What? Okay, okay. So, so in this article, quantum computing breakthrough first sighting I know, of right? mysterious Majorana fermion on gold. Physicists' discovery could lead to a new family of robust qubits. Uh-huh. Qubits. Qubits for quantum computing. That. That was not a real sentence. That was like cat in the hat shit. So no, that's that's like in a Star Trek, all the techno babble speak that they just <laughs> spout out. No, you guys, this is like okay. So, have any of you been watching devs? No. Okay. No. So, the more equipments we have, the better like quantum computing is. Like the faster it goes, the more um, simulations it can run at a time. Um, and there's a scene in devs where they they have this super quantum computer it's like the world's greatest quantum computer and it's in this it's kept in a room that's suspended by like electromagnetic um waves the whole room is suspended and then it's inside of a vacuum chamber inside of a like 10 foot concrete building anyway um at one point the um one of the main characters asks uh the scientist who invented it he's like so how many quibits is it running on and he goes so many that it doesn't matter and i was like that's bonkers like it's just it's an insane concept. And so what this is doing is it's getting us one step closer to that point to where we're, um, we're able to, to compute fast, so fast that we can, it doesn't matter the speed because the speed is so high. It's never going to be an issue. Um, and what they found was that it's its own particle and antiparticle, which or is theorized to be theorized. Such, to be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They don't know. They, they haven't confirmed it yet, but they did cite it, which is like the, they laid eyes on it, which is cool. Yeah. It's, it's true that it, they said it, Seems I'm reading that it only exists on gold because that's that's how it reads to me. That uh, on the surface of common metal, gold. It's not a common metal. It's a rare metal. That's what I was kind of reading it as too. I don't know if that's true or if that's just the way that it sounds. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
the, the whole article itself it it, it's a common metal as compared to like some of the other weird metals they have to use uh, for that kind of stuff yeah, well, things have like a 30 minute half-life just disappear yeah. sure just fade out of existence that but the, they're saying that um it's a step towards isolating the particles as stable error-proof qubits for quantum computing so that's what really is how does that work error-proof error-proof how, how do you make something error-proof I think you have to build a self-sustaining computer, like one that can, um, I'm talking on my butt here for a little bit, but like when it comes to quantum computing, one that can like run its own diagnostics and then correct, self-correct as it goes to where you eventually have no errors. Oh, you're talking like an 11 bit. I mean, right now, like for computers, that's an 11 bit system that is uh, constantly looking through its own, um, whatever its own code mm -hmm. and self-correcting that code and rewriting its code and the, i mean that's really like i don't know if we have it in the public world but i know that the the military definitely has stuff like that yeah but this would be so this would be similar to that but in a quantum computing system yeah but just worlds ahead because it would be able to do it instantly as it goes like self-correcting with no issue as it moves forward constantly Huh. Okay. Um, it says fermions are a class of elementary particle that includes electrons, protons, neutrons, and quarks, all of which make up the building blocks of matter. Everybody knows that. For the most part, these particles are considered Dirac fermions, after the English physicist Paul Dirac. Mm -hmm. um, somewhere in the universe in the form of an antiparticle, essentially it's an identical twin of its opposite charge. Uh, so so it's twin just kind of exists somewhere see this is like <laughs> was it uh faraday i can't remember no it wasn't faraday somebody in the who worked on the manhattan project said if you think you understand quantum physics you clearly have no idea i don't think that was quantum that was physics is. i know that quote but i don't think that was faraday i think that was no it wasn't faraday because it was later um Cause it was, yeah, that's what I was going to say, because it wasn't the Manhattan Project. It starts project. with an F. God, what is his name? It was Richard Feynman. Feynman, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been a bit over my head. A bit? A bit? I mean, it's all it's over <laughs> all of our heads. None of us have... Oh, no, I mean, like, I don't even think I can talk talk to it the way the amount you guys are. Uh, okay. Chase and I have uh, just like, geez. a little bit of study to quantum physics. Or not quantum physics, quantum computing. Just because I, 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 I deeply want experience. to understand it, and I just don't at all, and so I'm trying, <laughs> and I don't think you I know, can. I've, I've read stuff, and I'm just like, that's not real. That's not it real. It seems like that's magic, true. doesn't it? Like, it doesn't seem... Yes, it does. Yes, it does. When science goes so far above your head that it literally seems like magic, you know you're Who, in a crazy place. There, who's that, who said that quote? It was like, any sufficiently advanced science will seem to... Right. Less advanced civilization is magic or something like that. I don't remember. But uh -huh. we're reaching yeah, that I mean, point. That makes sense. Like when Einstein's theories were, when he initially proposed them, like people thought they were so far out there and seemed <clears throat> insane. But like over oh, the past, what, 50 years? Mm -hmm. It was Arthur C. Arthur C. Clarke who said that. I was, I'm sorry. Other, what, what was, other pivotal. Oh, the full quote? Yeah. Two seconds. I just closed it. Wow, I just butchered the crap out of that. But hey, well, you know what? <laughs> Google has my back. <laughs> okay. Uh, the quote is, Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Okay. <clears throat> and it's true for the most part, you know? Are, are we getting to the point where we are um, stretching the ability of humankind to understand. I, I'm of the opinion that no, humans can't understand everything. Like They might just get to a point where we can't understand it anymore. I think that you might be right about that being an eventuality, but I don't think we're there yet. I think we're pretty far away from that. You don't think we're stretching it with quantum computers yet? No, no, because we have people that understand quantum computing, at least to to the point that they can build them and like do it. Because I mean, all, all, all quantum are not usable yet, so it's like it's no, really it's all it pushing is... our smartest minds to really try and get that. Well, that's because every quantum computer we have so far, all the all that they do, 
literally all that they do is they just you see how many qubits it can push and you see how many basically how many simulations it can run to generate a, like an insane amount of numbers as fast as it can um, yeah. and the faster it can generate those numbers the faster the quantum computing is and so that's all we're using them for right now that we know of that we've been told I'm you know it's possible that people are using them for other things but that's at the moment all we're using them for and we know how that works we understand that because it's, so it's, it's, literally just it's multiplication. similar it's almost like when we first started computers how a computer system would take up a whole building to just do regular calculations you can do on your phone now. Yeah. Um, and it's it's the same. It, it kind of seems like a similar place to me where we're at with quantum computing that these literally take up massive facilities with massive energy costs. You have to get them down to pretty much absolute zero. I don't know how many decimal places they're in for absolute zero with uh, liquid nitrogen and I'm having these superconductor metals and because they only superconduct like, you know, way below normal conditions of temperature. And then just, yeah, it's it's insane amount of energy expenditure. And I'm just wondering when we're going to have quantum computers on our in our hands, walking around, just talking to everybody. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's it'll happen. My hot take. I'm my sure. hot take is in our lifetime. It'll, uh, but I yeah. want to. I want to see it in our lifetime. Fifty years, I'll be eighty. I'm gonna say thirty. So yeah, I'm not even kidding. Like I really do think that we'll get there. Uh, just because fifty years for computers to do that. Yeah, I mean, but we. But we're going faster now. That's what I'm saying. Like we're it's going to keep amping up, and like we've already had so many quantum breakthroughs already. Um, I just think it's going to keep keep amping up, and it's going to get to the point to where. Because at some point they're going to get to a, a, a qubit size that they're going to be comfortable with using it to run other things other than just number generation, right? And then at that yeah. point, that's when we start using it for literal, like, computer stuff, literal computations of whatever it is that you want to figure out. So um, a lot of things, including computers and quantum physics and um, uh, just a lot of different things. Oh, oh like rocket science with uh, Warner Von Braun the father of the body director. like a lot of these we're waiting for a specific guy who's just like a head taller than everybody else. Uh -huh. I mean, sure. These guys are, are, you know, IQs of 160 or whatever, working on these computers, but we're waiting for that one guy who was born for this purpose. It seems like, yeah, because like Warner Von Braun, the Saturn V rocket, we still don't have anything bigger and better than that. Saturn V rocket is the rocket to go to. If we're going to go back to the moon. Um, it's just it's just a lot of things like even tesla's visions like we're still like oh yeah we're accomplishing that today well Over i mean that also brings us years ago that brings us to the next topic um the the one about einstein that where he was just proven right again and it's like how many times are we going to do this are we just going to which keep was on? it this time uh it's the article i sent you uh, let me pull it back up real quick <clears throat> let me go to yeah. it he basically says there's an observations of a uh supermassive black hole that confirms like uh, the general theory of relativity. So another confirmation of it. Yeah, we are. I mean, we already have yeah. several different confirmations of relativity, but every time we get a new one, it's just, you know, money in the bank saying like every Einstein's general relativity predicts that bound orbits of one object around another are not closed as in Newtonian gravity but precess forwards in the plane of motion. This famous effect, first seen in the orbit of the planet Mercury around the sun, was the first evidence in favor of general relativity. 100 years later, we have now detected the same effect in the motion of a star orbiting the compact radio source Sagittarius A at the center of the Milky Way. This observational breakthrough strengthens the evidence that Sagittarius A must be a supermassive black hole of four million times the mass of the sun. Good Lord. That's so, um, that's so according big. According to Genzel, doctor at Max Planck Institute for Extraterrestrial Physics. Max Planck, another guy who is another one above was a head taller than yeah. everybody else at his time. Just happened. He's one of my heroes too. I have him, uh, Max Planck, scrolling across my computer as my screensaver with all my favorite scientists on my my own personal. Computer. I forgot that you. I forgot that you do that with your computer. It's your screensaver is just scientist pictures. Uh, the best ones, only the best. Only the best ones. No, <laughs> no Bill Nye here. No Neil deGrasse. None of that crap. No, talking no, real. They have to be dead. Talking real scientists. Not really, but... Real guys who are dead. Exactly. <laughs> have you ever listened no, I mean, to? Uh, yeah. So this. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. What's wild about this study is like later in the article, it says it's a, it was a 30 year long program to accurately kind of track this. That's like impressive. Think, think about the 30 long year program and how much money we spent on that. I've, I've started to think about like how much of this is really worth it. Should we, should we just feed everybody first? Should we just solve world hunger? I read an article that said we could solve world hunger with like $30 billion. I'm like, well, why don't we just do that? Why don't we get the whole world together and just pitch in $30 billion and feed everybody or something or plant farms for those? I think it's the infrastructure of it all. Who's in control of it? Who gets to choose what, who gets fed first? Chase, are you going hippie on us? Like stop making bombs, stop, start making food. I don't think she's ever been pro bomb. I feel like that's something that's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. That's pretty like obvious though. I, yeah, it's, it seems like it's an obvious thing. Uh, maybe it is. Yeah, like you said, Josh, maybe there's a lot more to it. But as, as a huge fan of NASA and science and going to the moon, like I love these discoveries. I love what we're talking about. But I, but I do have a humanitarian side of me where I'm like, you know, this is really cool, but wouldn't it be cooler if people were eating food and like not starving? Yeah. And also, that would be dope. Also, you can come from an from the angle of like we solve these problems, we don't have to worry about them anymore. Then collectively, humanity will be in a better place to make even better discoveries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's true too. So if we put it off for five years, come back to it, wouldn't be that big of a deal. And that's something that's been on my mind lately. Is like I was just thinking about the fact that we have, I don't know, we have all this stuff going on right now in the world where people are focusing on like all sorts of things, um, but like we still have literal like kids starving in thermal nations because they have no access to food. Um, yeah. And I was reading, I was reading an article about this guy. Kids, we have kids starving here. Like we, Oklahoma actually is one of the worst places for like food insecurity. It's true. Uh, I, I got really mad. Yeah. I was, I was reading on worse than the country, by the way. Sorry. That's I knew what you meant. It's definitely not in the world, but it is in the country. Um, right. I was, I was reading um, something on Reddit about these kids um, in Uganda. Maybe I don't remember somewhere it was, it was somewhere in Africa. And like, they were just, it was, it's literally like it's three or four tribes, a couple thousand people. And they're just all starving to death. And the top comment was, why don't they just move to where the food is? And I was like, <laughs> I hate people sometimes, man. Like yeah. it had thousands of upvotes. That's of the same opinion. It's like, well, why don't we just nuke them? Why don't, we, just... why don't we just nuke them? Fix the problem. They don't want to, they don't want to die. Why don't they move where the food is? <laughs> If they really yeah, wanted to live, they'd, they'd move. That's so heartless. Yeah, well, no, it's just deflection of the problem is what it is. And but like, every, and we're all guilty of this. Like, we all know that this is going on. Everyone in, in this podcast right now knows like that there's like horrible suffering happening. There. What are we going to do about it? You know. And it's 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 frustrating because like you say, well, what am I going to do about it? And you're right and you're wrong at the same time. It's like, well, you could do something about it, um, but what? realistically what can you do you know it's it's a frustrating paradox of guilt. yeah so remember what, when we a went collective action so again it's a collective act it's a collective action problem because like yeah. right yeah right i mean i don't know anybody personally so it's not like i can just go out and be like here you go man i, I solved your problem because i don't right. i personally don't know anybody in that situation or at least right. not and, aware of it right and anybody like even if you're doing that you're helping one family right which is great Right. That's amazing. But like you're, you're barely making a dent in the overall worldwide problem. So yeah, like you need, you need a bunch of people acting together to actually solve it. We need, we obviously have a bunch of charities that do this. I I was thinking about this just now where remember when we all went for my Christmas present, where I gave um, the homeless people some blankets and jackets and food or money or something like that. Yeah. I didn't go, but I remember that. It was crazy. And, after doing that, I, the, some of the people at a charity talked to me and they're like, you know, we're in a much better position. We know the people who need it. We know the people who don't need it, who are just, you know, trying to take advantage of the situation. Back off our turf. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't necessarily give to them, but I, I, I kind of agreed. I was like, you know, it might be better to give money and time to a specific charity that's doing this stuff. And also the reason, uh, one of the reasons why we couldn't just solve world hunger is because there are regimes in Africa 
that are stealing the vaccines. Not just Africa, like all, all over the world. Like there, there are regimes that, that just keep sure. things from happening. I was talking with um, this guy I worked with who'd done a bunch of stuff with the Peace Corps. Um, and I was like, man, why doesn't someone just start like like a charity that literally just does vertical farms um, outside of like you know third world third world villages or whatever that are that are starving to death? And he was like, because so many of them are controlled, like literally controlled by warlords. And he's like, and that warlord is just going to take the food, and so that village won't see the food anyway. That's why they're starving half the time. Um, yeah. And he was like, that's yeah. what that's what the Peace Corps does. That's what the UN um, like food drops do and that's why they have they have armed guards is to make sure that the villages and stuff do get those food that food right um and he's like but you can't ensure that that happens all the time i was like that is just so yeah. disheartening because like these warlords yeah. will take the food take the the whatever the the crops are you know that are made and stuff and then they just divvy it out to whoever they want and if there's anything left over the village might get some um or it might be used as like uh you know like currency towards something else yeah and so they'll sell it and you know buy weapons or something like yeah. that yeah. And so you have to there's there's other problems that it's just like anything else in life the the problems compound the more you look into it um and yeah. it's like well i can't solve this problem without solving this problem without solving this problem without solving this problem so you're saying to solve world hunger we need to go to war i think so yeah let's do it i think that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a hard decision to make like, well, should my people die or should their people die from starvation? It's kind of a mm-hmm. hard choice to make. When it's, you know, so. Yeah, and it's also not like, it's it's not a clean choice, right? Like, if you knew all the variables, you could make that assessment. But, like, so many things shift and change. You can't actually know what's going to happen, even if you do intervene in that way. You know what I mean? So. So something's been on my mind a lot lately, um, and this ties back into quantum computing um, and kind of AI too, because I guess I'm just always there mentally. Um, so what you said, you said you can't know all the variables. So one of the subjects that devs and Westworld have been dealing with in this season of both of those shows is like knowing all the variables of what's going on. Um, in one way they're, they're doing it in one show, they're doing it one way and another show, they're doing it another way, but they're both, the idea behind it is that like you have a sufficiently powerful computer that can basically know, run simulations at like light speed of every outcome globally right now. Um, and does that like, does it change anything? Do you do anything with that information? Because at what point are you like control, like knowing all the variables, are you making things better or worse? You know? that make sense yeah mm-hmm. well yeah because at one point you take away like, free will right right and that's I'm, i don't want to get too spoilery for westworld i haven't watched it yet i plan to but haven't but <laughs> like i kind of i just kind of question whether that's even possible does that make sense like uh-huh. it's 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 very possible to predict things on a large scale right mm-hmm. to predict large scale trends over the core like the whole population if that makes sense and it's possible for those to be reasonably accurate right but like uh westworld is getting like down to a granular granular level predicting like what each person does and i don't i mean maybe with a super duper well to be fair that there's a part of the show that we can't talk about without spoiling stuff that kind of explains how it's able to do that all right we'll have to talk off (laughs) <laughs> okay because i'm not i'm not sure what you're referencing there. just the fact so. that i, I can, i'll say this because i don't think i can i don't think i'll spoil it but the fact that at this point the 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 thing you're talking about that's been predicting stuff has been going on for so long that it's been able to influence things to where it puts people where they want to be or where they it wants them to be and so it forces them into these um it like what's the word uh, it like pigeonholes them right. to where the directions they want to go and so it it knows what's going to happen by forcing what's going to happen right Interesting. So it, it it fulfills its own predictions. Yes. Sounds like God. Yeah, no, that's what it's supposed to be. Literally, that's legitimately the whole point of the season is the scientist tried to make God. Um, and he made a... Yeah. He, and then he basically was rich enough that he could give it control over like bank accounts and world governments and things like that um, to where it can force... Like it got everybody's information and it can force people to do what it wants 
Um, and the whole, I mean, the whole thing about Westworld's whole thing is like, do the robots have free will? And then this season's been more like, do humans even have free will? Does anyone have free will? What is free will? Um, because in there, and it's obviously it's confined to the world of the show because in the world of the show, the answer seems to be no. Um, it's funny that free will for the majority of um, humanity has actually not been believed in. Like free will is more of a new modern concept, like fatalism, destiny. That was, I mean, that stuff's been around since yeah. uh, as soon as we have history. This is your up. fate. This is your destiny. This is your lot. Yeah. I mean, free will is more like um, a Western idea that came out of England and ultimately into the U S and our philosophies that are in Europe. No, it goes back at least to the Greeks, right? Like, Oh, yeah. oh wait. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't I mean, Greek have, philosophy count as Western like, philosophy? It started there. Yeah. It, it yeah, was yeah, in its that, infancy. Right. But I mean, you were, I was saying it goes, it goes farther back than England at least. Okay. I mean, I'll agree with that. Yeah. We'll see when, yeah, no, I get you. I was thinking like Greek philosophy is Western philosophy. Like at least. Right. Yeah. I would say, yeah, it, it was, it started there. Like, yeah, that's, that's part of our, our history. The, the Western philosophy of the Greeks and democracy yeah. and, um, to be fair, I'm not, I'm not, as, try, I mean, it's because they we were up. trying to almost make their own fate, which is kind of what free will is, I guess, but they still believed in like, you know, if, if the gods want it to happen it'll happen. And so, but it was definitely there. The idea was kind of mixed, I well, think with right. the Greeks. What were you going to say, Seth? Which I was going to say, like, I mean, I'm not sure how prevalent it is in Eastern culture or religion or whatever, just cause I'm not first in it. It's, I don't like, I'm not willing to categorically say they don't have an idea of like free will in the same way. Typically, um, so Western philosophy focused a lot more on the individual where Eastern philosophy focused a lot more on the community and they both have their downfalls and they both have their um, um, good things actually come from them. But I think a super focus on the community obviously puts the individual at risk. And that's why Western philosophy started, um, just to protect the rights of the individual while bettering the community. I mean, that's, it's a hard thing to balance is what it's, it's really hard to balance. Yeah. I mean, ultimately you don't want it on one extreme or the other there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like too, too much, too much individualism might be a little bit, um, difficult to run a society it's it would be anarchy is what ultimate individualism would be so thinking about quantum computing thinking about um what chase had said about like having top minds like solve problems you know um black mirror has this idea in the show of eggs is what they call them and like they literally are cookies cookies not eggs sorry um and those of you who have seen it will know what i'm talking about but cookies are essentially like a little computer that has a fully integrated upload of a person's like cognitive functions into it Mm -hmm. and so it's like a little it's like a little simulacrum like it's a little avatar of that person that thinks and acts as if it is that person it thinks it's that person Um, and they in the show they use it to basically um, get information from people because the thing thinks it's that person and so they'll like put them into situations and then essentially like torture them or make them like wait vast amount of time with nothing to do like hundreds of years with nothing to do and they can't age die or anything like which that, which is, which is another form of, it is, no, it is. I'm not saying it's not, um, to get information from them, but someone I saw, I don't remember where I saw it. I probably saw it on Reddit cause I see everything on Reddit, but it was somewhere, um, proposed like what a waste of like a really cool technology. You could, if you could do that, you could upload like great minds, you know, you could get like your Richard Feynman's or your, your Einstein's or whatever. Um, and you could upload them into these things and then just give them everything they need to be happy inside there. And then just say, okay, you're going to work on this problem for the next 200 years. And then you turn the machine on, let them go and then turn it off. A second goes by in real life. And then they have all this new research and stuff. Um, and that would be insane. Well, and yeah. And so the comments, from then on got really philosophical, which I thought was cool. Cause usually it's, I think it was Reddit. Cause usually Reddit gets non, like it just goes crappy, but people were like, well, that's cool. But what does that do for the rest of humanity? Does that make us more like able to do more things to like enjoy life better because we've solved all these problems now in seconds, or does it make things worse? Are we like listless with no meaning now? Because we have nothing to strive for. No, yeah. There's no, 
there's no struggle anymore. There's nothing for us to do. Like this smart kid who's been dreaming of solving world hunger now doesn't have to worry about it. So do they focus on something else or do they lose all ambition? You know, humans have, they have the ability to adapt to whatever the situation, like whatever, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the world is at the time. Sure. I'm not saying it would, you know, automatically be okay. Cause there would be people who, you know, there's a scientist working on, you know, they've been working for 25, 30 years on a specific uh, problem or specific situation. They turn on some machine for 10 minutes and suddenly the answer's there. And, you know, all their work has been gone, has gone down the drain. There are going to be people like that. But the, the little kid you're talking about, I don't know. I feel like it would it's sort of tough out because so people would turn their minds to different issues, to other things that are, I don't know, more physical around the world. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I feel like people Josh, would adapt. I think what Josh is saying is, so take this to infinity and we've solved all those problems. Yeah, there's right? nothing take, left take that we time. can do. Yeah, so we're, we're just here eating and pooping ourselves, essentially, just bathing in glory and orgies everywhere i guess i don't know sure why not i'll go let's go <laughs> just um, i mean is that a proposition <laughs> no no wait, wait, Josh what, is one, what time I is think. the orgy i mean, I mean um, it could it could go into kind of a uh i don't know i always bring up star trek but you know how it's a utopian society no no money no hunger no crime pretty much on earth no purpose. We, we just we just focus ourselves outward on exploration because exploration and in Star Trek, like humanity's focuses have gone from, you know, the gain of material wealth and stuff to the uh, betterment of the individual. That's why everybody's all about, you know, fine art and uh, exploration and archaeology for the most part, because it's all about the betterment of themselves and the betterment of humankind as a species. But not everybody on, on like an is into internal fine scene. arts. Mm-hmm. Not, not everybody's well, into oh, that. I know, but I mean, I'm just saying that was just an example. Okay. Just turning yourself, turning everybody, turning their minds towards like I don't know the, the better in a humankind as as a from a philosophical standpoint. Mm-hmm. No. I think Maybe. it's interesting. So that the book. The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis is, mm-hmm. is a very good talks about how humans essentially yeah. need a certain stimulus of pain. There is pain that is too much to bear, and then there's pain that makes you better. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that pain, you just kind of crumble away, and you're uh, kind of either nothing or you're a, a POS type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have the struggle to become stronger without any struggles you're you're completely weak sure yes it just it's like a muscle you if you don't use your brain it goes to mush all these things um and i'm not saying so, that we would i i'm the reason i'm asking because i don't know i don't know what it would look like i mean none of us know obviously but i don't know what it would look like. i don't know if we would become better or worse if we if we did this so say you had someone solves world hunger but to solve world hunger this little quantum uh avatar person has to solve you know, warlords and to solve warlords, they have to solve economic instability. And so they have infinite time to do this and they get it done. And so cool. That's a huge swath of human problems gone. And so we move on to the next thing. It's like, okay, cool. Well, now that those are done, we know that we can do X, Y, Z. And so they start working on those things. And it just, like you said, Chase, it, it compounds upon itself. Um, because the, t- conceivably the technology, if you, if you have one of these things invent a new technology, so say one of these little quantum persons makes, a better computer, like a computer that works on some unknown physics that we don't know about yet. Um, yeah. That's world's better. And it's like, okay, this is how you do it. I figured it out here. Go ahead and make it. And so now we make it. And so now we can run better simulations and that thing gives us the next, you know, technological leap. And so we leap say 500 years in the future, technology wise in a matter of, you know, 15 years or so, just as long, as long as it takes to mass produce these things. Like, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that would be, make us better or worse. Wait, well, guys, got anything else to talk about? I, I didn't, go I didn't mean to kill kids. the conversation. I mean, the only thing I had was a, it's not much, but it was a, just an interesting article I read about a new 
uh, form of like <clears throat> a brain implant chip for people suffering from various types of paralysis. It's a let me let me find out pull up who who did it. It was the uh, Battelle Memorial Institute in Columbus, Ohio. They in their research, like a lot, it, apparently it's believe it was believed for a while that, you know, if a paralyzed person's hand like touches something, you know, that there's no, you know, uh, tactile feel input or anything. There's no signal sent from that from that part, like mm-hmm. the the thing that's touching. They found that there still is signal, you know, being sent, but it's just it's just not, you know, picked up by the brain. Like, let's say, let's say they can't. Their you know their hand is paralyzed, their arm is paralyzed, and they can't use it, or or feel anything. So what they do is they implant a chip in the brain, and you know implant sensors on the that particular limb that it'll pick up those impulses, run them through a computer, amplify them to you know the an appropriate level, and then send those directly to the brain, to where they can detect that sensation of touch it's not perfect but it's there and they also did the same thing to where they're using the same system running like motor control like you know they put a the guy they were using his like right arm is completely paralyzed and you know they put a band around his arm that sends you know electrical inputs to contract muscles and stuff and you know using that same system through that computer you know the the you know, assist him move his arm. So they send that signal through into the computer and then into the the uh, band on his arm, which contracts his muscles in the way that he wants to. He's trying to. So he can, like, reach out and grab something. It's I saw it in action in the video, and it's, you know, it's not... It's not super perfect. You know, he, he didn't have much control, but he was able to reach out and, like, squeeze this, like, cylinder and then, like, move it a little bit and then let it go he had no you know fine control well, that's but like he was a still able to move though. yeah that's really cool it is really cool and the fact that they can give some form of touch sensory sense back yeah yeah it's like real, so something, uh, real life uh cyborg stuff like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true uh, something kind of similar for uh, a big foundation that just happened. I maybe you guys have talked about it already. Was the first time CRISPR has been used in a, a surgery. So this person was blind because their body or their DNA made the the cones in their eyes the improper shape. The molecule is the improper shape to receive the light, react, and then send the signal to the brain. Similar to how colorblind people um, have certain rods. I'm sorry. Rods are for light, cones are for color. So, so that they they changed this guy's DNA so that he would now produce rods that would be sensitive to light. And so they they cured this genetic blindness in this person using CRISPR only in the eyes. They didn't change any other DNA except for the ones in his eyes, and that was really cool. So. The reason I brought up colorblindness was because like, it, it's a, a very similar surgery that they could just change your DNA a little bit and you would start producing the cones that could see those colors. So that could be, um, you know, an elective surgery that you yeah. could have if you wanted. Very freaking cool. I mean, CRISPR is one of those things you're like, well, this could get bad. But I think that was a good one. I think that's that was good. They did a good job. Yeah, that's really rad. I think we're we're rapidly approaching, and we should talk about this next time we record, which should be hopefully next week if we can definitely get down on it. But we should definitely talk about just where we're going with CRISPR. I think we're going to get to the point to where we can edit anything. Um, I think we're we're not that one. I think we're farther away on than I think with like quantum stuff. Um, but I do think we're going to get to the point to where like anything you want edited, you can have edited. So you want to be genetically predisposed to just always be you know muscular you can do it you know you want to be um you want your do you want to be able to see a new spectrum of light like we're going to be able to i think eventually be able to do that you know like add in cones that we don't have now. well they, they've already they already know that so, uh, most it's mostly women 
that have this special ability that they have um, four different cones in their yeah. eyes. Well, most people only have three. And so these women see colors that we don't see. Mm-hmm. And women are just better at colors anyways. I think it, yeah, it's, I think it's shades. They see better shades than men. They're able to distinguish shades better than, than men. Cause they're, no, like, no, no, like no. Like the, this is, this is straight up different colors. These rods or the cones because they have these cones. And so when we see violet, two things that are violet, they can see the ultraviolet piece like of violet those two and superviolet thing. Huh? I said, so they're seeing like violet and superviolet. Yeah, yeah, that's essentially that. So they're going more into the ultraviolet range of light that can mm-hmm. go further that direction. So that's... they can uh, distinguish a lot of different colors. And so, so conceivably, Chris, um, could... I think that would be rad. I just want to see three cones. I don't know what the heck <laughs> four cones would be like. But see... what it sounds like with CRISPR is that if we get to that point, the rich are just going to be like super people. It, it turns hey, into. Now you're into ultra have carbon. you guys seen the movie Gattaca? No. Yeah. Yes. It's it's basically about that, like people who have uh, uh-huh. like it's in a future where most people, not all people, but like a pretty decent chunk of people, especially those that are like uh, richer and stuff have been, you know, genetically engineered to where they're, yeah. you know, they're perfect pretty much. And it makes it almost impossible for anyone else to you know who isn't to to get a job and it fall or to to do anything important in life it follows a guy who when he was you know like before he was born his parents chose not to genetically modify him like they chose just not to do it yeah and he was born with like he has bad eyesight and he has a bunch of problems and he wants to join this organization that's sending people to like a newly discovered planet yeah and he's having to hide the fact that he's not genetically modified and not genetically superior or else they would kick him out. Oh, I don't think it's a cool movie. I'd watch it. It's a really good movie. It's really good. It's, it's kind of older too. It's like 99, 98. No, it's, it's, it's early two thousands. Okay. Early two thousands instead of 99, 98. Um, yeah. I think it's like 2007, 2008. That, that description. And I think I'd heard about this about Gattaca before is like, it's very, uh, like it's almost based on brave new world it's like very similar yeah so brave new world was written before you know we obviously knew that we'd be able to gene splice and stuff like that and edit the actual genes but it was written in response to there was a huge eugenics movement 1997 uh you know which eugenics is basically kind of the same idea but just done through breeding for lack of a better term right like kind of the central idea is like you don't let people with disabilities procreate yeah um, so to pass on those things that's at mm-hmm. least part of it but uh yeah anyways like brave new world actually holds up really well if you just substitute the way that they controlled it then is everyone was born in test tubes and you just kind of like selected for what you want but if you update that to you know gene splicing on it mm-hmm. like it's the same it's, very relevant today yeah yeah also um i was right it was 90 it was 97 is when guy came out <laughs> i was right so just so you know okay i just remember ethan, right. ethan hawk was young in it and that's the only reason i knew it was you know a different time um on the topic of, of brave new world there i can't remember which streaming service it is maybe nbc i think is creating a brave new world series and I, it, it doesn't really look that good, honestly. No. But it, I think it's just ironic that they're making this series because it's kind of about, like, you know, the control by the media uh-huh. uh, manipulating people. It's like, how, how, can, how can they do this It's also <laughs> without it being ironic? Yeah, they're also making a foundation series, like the Asimov book foundation. They're making a series out of that, and it looks like it's going to be hot garbage, despite having really yeah. good actors. So... I don't know. Yeah. Adapting old sci-fi has to be done a certain way to make it good. And how come in every like perfect universe uh, scenario that they, they always wear like these perfectly white clothes and everybody has the exact same outfit on? I like in the just, future where everything's perfect, everybody has the same outfit? Like well, I think why? that's literally I think just a stylistic choice because if you had everybody wearing like normal clothes, it's like this is the future, everybody looks the same as they do now, you know, would be that kind of 
thing. I think it's just why do a, they have the same outfit? Like, is it is it are they claiming that that people having different opinions of style is bad? I assume it's, it's no. I assume it's to be like, look, we've come so far that people don't even care about what we wear. You know, it's like all fashion doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, we've. It, it only really, it. I mean, it only makes sense to me if it's in like a situation where, I don't know, like they're the crew of a, sh- of like a, sh- a ship or something and they're all yeah. in a uniform. That's the makes same sense. style. Yeah. That makes sense. But I think Chase is more like, talking like, Lo- like, in a hospital. like Logan's Run where everybody's wearing like their like yeah. multicolored jumpsuits, yeah. you know. Um, I just think that the, it's, it's just laziness on the parts of directors. It's like have an original thought. Like it doesn't have to be this way every <laughs> single time. Um. You guys are also getting into the area of like what Altered Carbon is about. If any of you've seen that, like the the book series and the show both deal with, um, essentially in that show, uh, everybody at birth, yeah. well, one year old is implanted with a spinal thing. It's like a, a disc in your spinal called a stack, and they put it in your spinal cord in your neck. And what it does is it backs up your consciousness every like certain amount of time. And so if wow. you, if you die, all they have to do is just take your stack out and put it in a new body, and then you're alive again. Um, cause the consciousness is stored there and no longer in the mind or whatever, or wherever the consciousness is stored, you know, who knows philosophically speaking. Um, and the whole point of that is that, uh, if, if that technology existed, the main character and his band of people had fought an entire war to try and stop this technology. Um, because if it exists, then the rich at some point are just going to become a, a new class of humans entirely like above yeah. the law and above yeah. everything because they can afford to make new bodies faster than a poor person. They can afford to um, genetically alter their bodies to be better, to live longer. They can save money for hundreds of years at a time and like see long-term investments and like become ultra billionaire, trillionaire, you know, stuff like that um, to where that they're controlling everything. Um, and that's, that's literally the whole point of the series is that like, if that did happen, we would get to the point to where we wouldn't, I don't know. It all it all goes downhill, just like everything else we've talked about so far. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, a, a, a lot of these new technologies could lead to a uh, an elite class. Yeah, it's just. Yeah. I mean, and that's I, the thing that so everything needs to be out. Like, this is going to sound really kind of socialist technology wise, but like everything should be public knowledge. Like, not everything. A lot of things should be public yeah. public access. You know, this uh, since Chase mentioned the C.S. Lewis book earlier, he has another one that's like kind of sort of predicted that as well it's called the abolition of man which is like that's my favorite one it's yeah it's it's crazy it's there's a lot there like there's a lot in it for only being what not even 200 pages i think yeah um yeah the main point i remember is like you know you have this progress of humanity or whatever but you're gonna reach a point potentially where there's like a peak and then essentially like you've just given all of control to like that peak, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I don't know if that makes sense. And that's kind of the, the same idea as like we advance to this point and then there, there's a, it's, it's, I mean, you're right. It almost becomes a different rate if that happens. Mm-hmm. So there, there's uh, a, uh, a book that I read called debatable space where it takes place, you know, a distant future and, uh, the year 2000, <laughs> No, well, they, uh, humanity lives on all kinds of other planets, but they have it, they have it kind of set up where like travel is still incredibly slow. Like they, they don't have light speed or anything like that. So it takes, you know, hundreds of years to reach another star. So they have these big colony ships, but they have it. They found a way to, to transfer like information instantaneously using these like beacons. And Earth has become just like a haven of, you know, the ultra wealthy because pretty much the entire uh, entirety of humanity is run by like a corporation. And it's become so like dissociated that the people on Earth pretty much don't see anyone other than the people on Earth as human. And they will transfer their consciousness temporarily into these things they call doppelganger robots which are usually these like incredibly tall, incredibly beautiful, like Adonis like machines where they can, you know, touch and feel and stuff. And they will do horrible things to people to like these people on these other planets. And they just can just like, there's no... like, it's just a game to them. Yeah. So like they're doing, you know, they're torturing people. 
doing like unspeakable things to him and it doesn't really affect them because they're like it's almost like as if it's not real and that's the kind of thing that it's like the anonymity of the internet but like with a video game sort of except it's you're interacting with real people it's like combining those two things yeah and anybody who's living on the on any like the really far colonies don't really have any rights and they all they're all you know they all work for these corporations and they just basically you're born into an organization like from the moment you're born you're you work for them mm-hmm. and you're owned by them my only hope for like the far future of humanity is that like like the our our sense of i don't know how to say this i don't know what i'm trying to say i know what i'm trying to say i don't know how to say it without sounding crazy um like that whole thing of like just kindness to mankind like prevails you know and we like technology makes us want to do the best for each other instead of wanting to own and control each other like i hope it brings out the best of us instead of bringing out the monsters yeah oh yeah that would be nice would be nice don't know wouldn't it be nice wouldn't it be nice if we weren't monsters thank you for listening to black mesa radio everybody uh we appreciate you being here with us um you can find us on blackmesaradio.com as well as google Podcasts, itunes if you're on itunes please leave us a five-star review and uh, like and subscribe and all that jazz that way we can aggregate better and more people can find us um also just write out some reviews because we don't get we don't get to hear from you guys very much I know we have lots of listeners. I just don't know anything about them because they never say anything. Uh, the Black Mesa Radio Podcast Network has a couple other shows. Um, we have Moms Who Wine, who are going to be recording today, so they should have an episode out later this uh, week uh, whenever I get that edited. Uh, we also have a uh, Thunder Podcast that is kind of on hold right now because the NBA has been shut down for the moment, um, but that'll be back as soon as the NBA is back. And we have a new show coming out soon um, that I'll give more information on once it happens. It should be hopefully next month, depending on how long it takes me to move. So, um, guys, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to say? No, glad to talk yeah. to everybody again. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was good. Good podcast. Very good. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>